everyone. Today, me and Nikki will be doing a podcast on IP considerations in contracts specifically. My name's Eloise de Pasqua. I'm a senior associate here at Shoesmiths. And I'm Nicola Jenkins. I'm a legal director at Shoesmiths with a focus on IP. We've been asked to do a podcast that specifically deals with the IP aspects of a commercial contract, and that can pervade a huge amount of different areas of a contract. So we're going to try and uh, deal with a few of those and just give you some headline points to have a think about when you are looking at IP. In this podcast, we're going to try and focus on a supply of goods and services where IP is actually generated. Um, and a good example of that is uh, web design services, for instance. And that's probably something that you've come across quite often. So, Eloise, take us through a very quick reminder of the basics. IP is an area that uh, can be quite confusing and there are a huge amount of rights to consider one of the things that people often forget is that the website, for instance, may have a huge amount of different IP rights all competing with each other. Um, so if we take one of the most well-known IP rights, trademarks, as a reminder, a trademark is uh, your brand. It's the name that you are trading under. So it will be something like a Coca-Cola, an Apple, a Walkers, for instance, and bound up in that trademark will be the goodwill in your business as well. Trademarks can be an incredibly powerful IP right. Another one to consider is uh, copyright. That will be copyright, for instance, in a photograph, uh, in a piece of music, its lyrics or uh, something like that. So one of the less well-known IP rights uh, is designs, um, which uh, will be a 3D uh, object, often with functional uh, requirements. It might be uh, the design of a pen or uh, the design of a glass. Another IP right to think about is patents, which will be an invention in something. So that can be literally anything and uh, bound up in that will also be the know-how to go with that patent. So how do you create that invention. Know-how itself is often uh, an IP right that is forgotten about, but can be uh, very, very valuable. One of the rights that's probably not strictly IP, which but it does need to be considered, is domain names, i.e. what the name of your website is that it points to. Finally, and one that we are not going to deal with in too much detail because it will be dealt with on another podcast, is uh, confidentiality and trade secrets. Before we go through the actual contract itself, just a reminder on um, what the difference between background and foreground IP is. Now, these are terms that very often come up in a uh, supply of goods or services contract, but not often known what they actually mean. So um, it's really simple. Uh, background IP is all the IP that the party is bringing to the table when they enter that contract, i.e. something they've already created. Um, and it's brought in to assist with carrying out that contract. Foreground IP, on the other hand, is the IP that's created during the contract itself. And that, could again, can come from any party, depending on the contract. And why is IP important in commercial arrangements? IP is one of your most valuable assets, potentially. It's really important to consider it in commercial arrangements because you need to protect the IP. The other thing to think about is um, you want to maximise your competitiveness. So you want to protect the IP through the commercial contracts to ensure that you are keeping up with everybody else in the industry. And the other point with IP is that not only do you need to be protecting your own 
IP, you need to be avoiding uh, infringing other people's. And that, again, is often something that people don't think about or assume that they are allowed to do. So I should own everything, right? Not necessarily. Obviously, in an ideal world, you would own all the IP that is generated under a contract. But um, it will really depend on a huge number of factors. One of the first things will be who's contributing what. So if you are generating the IP, should you be owning it? Or is the expectation that the other party will be owning it? Equally, who's paying for what? Is somebody paying uh, to have those goods and services and then at the end of the contract own the IP? Or are they only paying for a license, for instance? That's something we'll we'll come back to uh, later on. There's also the bargaining positions of the parties. If one party's a lot stronger than the other, then it might mean that the negotiations go their way. So if we... um, take the example of the web design contract, which we mentioned before, Um, a lot of the IP will be created by the web designer themselves. Um, So for instance, they might have taken the photographs that appear on the website or drawn the images. They will very often create the layout for the website, uh, i.e. the look and feel of it. In that situation, where the IP has been created by the web designer themselves, unless there's a contract in place that says otherwise, then the IP will remain with that designer. That's not something that a lot of people realise. At the moment, if you don't have a contract in place, then no, you wouldn't own everything, even if you have got that web designer to uh, create the website for you, for your business, you might not own all that IP. That's really something that needs some uh, careful consideration. Specifically with uh, web design contracts, quite often we see that um, IP will actually not transfer to the customer until payment has been made to the web designer. That's quite a common position. So if you find that um, you haven't paid, sometimes what will happen is the IP is still sat with the web designer, um, even after they've created the website, even after the contract has been terminated. And what about using other people's IP? This happens more often than not, and people don't always realise that um, you're pulling in other people's IP and what you need uh, to, to do that. The things to think about is that if um, if you're the customer and somebody's providing goods or services to you, then you should be sure that um, either they're not using a third party's IP at all, or they have permission to do so through, say, a licence. Equally, if you're providing the goods and services, then that should be double checked. However, it's obviously appreciated that that can be really difficult to uh, manage if you are not sure where an image is from or, you know, something has appeared, for instance, on your website and you're not sure where it's come from or there's a lot of legacy stuff that you haven't dealt with before. You might want to consider in that situation that the party that's giving that IP over is giving a warranty or or even an indemnity um, so that if there is an event where you are sued by a third party for infringement, then that warranty would kick in or ideally the indemnity itself. If we have a look at the web design example, what you would expect is if you are the customer that the designer might, uh, for instance, be using images from a stock image collection. That's really, really common. Now, as long as they have um, purchased that in the right way, then they should have a license to use those images. But if there's a situation where they don't, then you should at least be trying to get a warranty from the web designer that um, everything they've created is either their own 
or they have permission to do so. So if it turns out that an image, for instance, they didn't have permission to use, then you can push liability back onto them through the warranty. What role do licences and assignment play? As I said, this podcast specifically covers IP only, so we're thinking about licences and assignments of the IP. More often than not, you need to consider whether you need a licence to use the other party's IP, or do they need a license to use yours? Now, that license might be something really simple like a royalty-free license that only applies during the duration of the agreement. But again, it's something that should be dealt with uh, in that contract. Equally, if you or the third party you are contracting with may be subcontracting out to other people, do they also need to have a license to use the IP? Equally, with assignments, When will that assignment, if any, is going to take place in the context of our web design agreement? If you want to make sure that you own the IP once the website has been developed, that should be set out very clearly in the contract itself. Or at the very least, that you as the customer have a very wide and preferably perpetual license to use all of that IP. Should I be limiting my liability under the contract? As as we mentioned, parties may be given warranties or indemnities um, regarding infringement of third-party rights. So if you're the one giving those warranties or indemnities, you're going to want to limit your liability where you possibly can because IP infringement claims or anything to do with IP issues can be very, very costly. So one of the ways you might want to think about limiting liability is um, to remove the other side's ability to claim for certain types of damage, such as uh, indirect or consequential losses. Another way which might be slightly easier is to limit your liability to the value of the contract or something that's more tangible, like uh, your insurance limitation or something like that. But of course, that sort of thing will entirely depend on the contract value. If the contract value is very low, but the risk could uh, potentially result in a very high cost, then you might need to say that it's three times the value of the contract, for instance. However, of course, if you're uh, the person that is receiving the warranty or indemnity, you're going to want to keep that liability as wide as you possibly can and will obviously want to push back on those limitations if you can. And what if the contract terminates? The consequences for use of IP in a termination uh, situation are quite often forgotten. Um, If you have granted a license uh, to another party to use your IP, then it should state quite clearly in the contract that that license now terminates and vice versa. If you have a license, then that will probably need to terminate as well. The only caveat to that, I would say, is you might, in some situations, need a sell-off period. So if you have a large amount of stock that is using someone's trademark, then you might need a few months to sell that off after termination and that license will need to continue until the sell-off period uh, ends. Another point which, again, will probably be covered uh, in the confidentiality podcast is that if you have provided uh, documents to uh, the other party, particularly confidential documents, then it's definitely a good idea to require that those are returned to you um, or at least the other party have destroyed them and can prove that they've destroyed them so they don't fall uh, into the wrong hands. So just going back to our example of the uh, web design services, unless you've agreed that the IP will all transfer over to you on a site as an assignment, 
then you will still need to have some sort of license to keep using that IP on your website. If you are thinking about terminating, you need to make sure that um, you have some rights in that IP going forwards, even after the contract has ended. I hope that gives you a bit of a whistle-stop tour of IP in contracts. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.